You're listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Union Road Presbyterian Church. For more information, join us on Facebook or visit our website at unionroad.org.uk. I remember many years ago when I was uh, young uh, that um, there used to be a television program entitled This Is Your Life. And for those of you who are old enough to remember that particular program, the presenter of that program was a man called Eamon Andrews, and he would have been poised outside the front of the BBC in London, and some unsuspecting individual, maybe from the entertainment world or the sporting world, or somebody who had been involved in some significant achievement, uh, they were hijacked, as it were, by, by friends who said, we're going out for a meal tonight, or we're going to the cinema, or we're going to the opera, or something like this. And then they would be detoured around by the front of the BBC, they would get out of the car, and Eamon Andrews would step out and say, Mr. So-and-so, this is your life. And then there would be a, a presentation uh, of this person's life, and people would have been brought from even all over the world, people who they had known in the past, people who were maybe members of the family, people who worked with them, and they told about incidents in this particular individual's life. I remember the Youth Fellowship in my first church decided to do it, and it was a horrendous experience. You wondered who was going to come in next. They brought a teacher from school, which was not the best choice, but however, uh, they, they, it wasn't there for them to know. But anyway, however, um, <clears throat> but on the other day, I had a, a sort of a nearly this is your life experience. I was at a meeting in church house and I came out to go and get the train and I just missed the train by a couple of minutes and the next train wasn't going for about an hour. And so I decided I would just walk up Botanic Avenue and call in at the college and maybe see David Leach or somebody and get a cup of coffee and then go down into the Botanic Station uh, and get the next train home. But as I was walking up uh, Botanic Avenue, this man was walking down. He sort of looked at me and uh, I just was aware that he was glancing at me. But I went on and when I turned into the college, lo and behold, this voice from behind said, Is that you, Ian? And I looked back and this man was standing. It was the man that had seen and he said to me, do you know me? Well, I responded in the way that I usually respond when I should know somebody but don't know them, and I say, I haven't a clue who you are. Uh, 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 sometimes it upsets people, and other times, well, uh, they can take it all right, but I say, I haven't a clue who you are. And he said, oh, my name's Stephen Ray. Oh, I said, yes, 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 Stephen, yes, 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 yes. And Stephen, I hadn't seen Stephen Ray for, I worked it out for 51 years strange as it may seem. He says to me, you know, you, ha you don't look a, a day different. Uh, <laughs> I said to him, do you have a problem with your eyesight? Uh, uh, but he was somebody who was at school with me. Uh, and uh, I said to him, actually, Stephen, I have a, a photograph of you up in our loft. Uh, not that I don't want to put it up in the house, but uh, I, 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 I have it in the loft. And it's either in one of two pictures. It's either you were in the same team as me in cross country, or you were in the same team as I was in, uh, in in the swimming team. I said, I can't remember which one you were in. I think it was the cross country team. And he said, oh, yes, it was the cross country team. And then they started. But anyway, I said, well, look, I've just missed the train. And if you want, we'll go for a cup of coffee for half an hour. And not only did I miss the first train, but I then missed the next train uh, <laughs> uh, 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 as a result of the, of the conversation. But we rehearsed back what had been going on in our lives so, so many years earlier. At school, we talked about people who we knew at school and teachers who had died and teachers who were still alive and, and people that, that we knew, uh, and it was quite an experience uh, as we rehearsed what was going on in the past. 
Tonight we read the story of Joseph. And if Joseph was involved in a this is your life story, I'm sure there were many things that would be highlighted. That he was his father's favorite son. That he was given a special coat and as a result there was great jealousy on the part of his brothers. That he traveled out into the countryside to visit the brothers when they were looking after the sheep and to see how they were getting on and how that he became the butt of their ridicule and how that they were plotting to kill him but ultimately threw him into a pit and sold him as a slave. How that he was incorrectly and unjustifiably accused by his employer as having an affair with his wife and then as a result he was thrown into prison. And how that in prison he met a couple of people who had defaulted as far as the king was concerned but he was able to interpret the dreams that they had. And then the Pharaoh had dreams and eventually uh, Joseph was hauled out of prison, he was cleaned up and he was put in front of the king and he interpreted the dreams of the seven years of good crops followed by seven years of famine. And then there was the, the part where the king actually put him in charge of the granaries and the distribution of the food. And then those, that time when the family came up and they didn't recognize who he was, and then as time went on, he revealed who he was and how they were concerned about him. And then eventually, the reading that we had this evening, how that eventually he forgave the, uh, the other members of the family and he was buried as the scriptures tell us, in a coffin in Egypt. This is his life. And this evening, I want us to look together at his life in some respects, or not at his life, but at certain things about his life which are equally appropriate to ours. Because we see that the story of Joseph is a very exciting story, but it's the story of an everyday experience that people, that a person had in their life, different from your experience and mine, but yet with the same emotions and concerns that you and I have. And so what I want us to look at this evening is to try and recall the fact that Joseph and everything that happened to Joseph was within the plan and the purposes of God for him that nothing happened to him as a result of chance or luck, that everything that happened in all those situations that I've already described was within the divine will of God for his life. And having said that about Joseph, everything that happens in your life from the cradle to the grave, just as in the case of Joseph, is equally planned out by God, and we can learn something from it. And normally we put this particular description of God's plan in our lives under the heading of the providence of God. And providence, we're told by one writer, is the most comforting doctrine of all the doctrines of the Bible. Because by that we mean that God, by his infinite power and wisdom and knowledge, continues to preserve us every day and every part of his creation as he guides us through his intended purposes with his plan for you and me and everyone around us. What is the providence of God? There's a, a 
an old catechism, not the shorter catechism, but another one called the Heidelberg Catechism. And it asks two questions on the subject of providence, of God's plan. And these are the questions with their answers. What do we mean by the providence of God? And the answer given is that the Almighty, everywhere present power of God, whereby, as it were, by his hand, he upholds and governs heaven and earth and all creatures, so that herbs and grass, rain and drought, fruitful and barren years, meat and drink, health and sickness, riches and poverty, yes, all things, come not by chance, but by his fatherly hand. And then the next question asks, what advantage is it to know that God, who created the world, by, uh, ha, uh, has all things within his providence and still upholds all things today. What benefit is it for us? That we may be patient in adversity, thankful in prosperity, and in all things which may befall us. We place our firm trust in our faithful Father, and nothing is able to separate us from his love, since all his creatures are so in his hand, and without his will, they cannot as much as but move. So let's examine for a few moments this evening uh, the doctrine of providence and try and apply it to your life and mine as we live in, uh, the, uh, in this particular era. Well, there's certain things we can say about God's providence. First of all, and his plan for your life, that God's plan is perfect. It may not always look that way or appear that way, but it can lead to the greater glory of God in our lives. And his plan not only is perfect, but it is exhaustive. In Matthew 10 and 30, the very hairs of our head are numbered. Everything in your life and mine that happens, from the smallest to the most significant of events in our lives, is under the control of God. His plan is for our ultimate good. Everyone who loves God can be assured that all things do work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. And God's precious purposes will be accomplished in each of our lives. And also, God's plan is secret. God alone knows what the future is going to hold for us and his purposes for each of us. And every detail is fixed before we were born. So, with these particular thoughts on God's providence, obviously it's easy for us to be in good form when things go well. And we thank God and we can trust Him and we rest upon His promises and so on and so forth. But when the dark days come, when the trials surround us, when things happen that we have no desire that they will happen, when suffering comes, then we think in a different way. And so I want to say basically four things tonight about what happens when, we'll call it, the dark providences come our way. And the first thing I think it's true to say is that suffering, they are there at times to try us. Remember, to go back to Joseph for a wee minute, the multitude of things that we've mentioned earlier on today that happened in his life 
that he wouldn't choose. Nearly everything that happened in his life, if he had to choose otherwise, he would have chosen the opposite. Hated by his brothers, thrown in a pit, sold as a slave, been misrepresented by, by Potiphar's wife, thrown into prison, forgotten about in prison. All the things that happened to Joseph, he would not have chose. And in 1 Peter verses 3 to 7, we read that trials determine the authenticity of our faith. Take, for example, Abraham. He was called to leave the comfortable lifestyle that he was in at that particular time. He had many herds and sheep and cattle and all the rest of it. And he was being called to be the father of a great nation. He was to leave all that behind and go to somewhere where God was directing him, but he, God hadn't said precisely where it was. And Abraham had to exercise faith. And then remember, he was promised that he would be the father of a great nation. And if he was going to be the father of a great nation, then he would have to have a son. But there was no heir available. And remember what Abraham did. Abraham took matters into his own hands and bore a son through his maidservant, uh, and, and bore a child called Ishmael, who God sent off. And it was after another 11 years that his wife Sarah, who was past the age of childbearing, conceived a son, and that was Isaac. And then there was the great test that Abraham had in respect of Isaac. The test was that, that um, he was to be taken up, up the mountain, out Mount Moriah, and he was to sacrifice Isaac. And I'm sure Abraham thought, what on earth is God doing in my life? After all, he wants me to be the father of a great nation, and we now have a son that was unexpected, and now he's wanting to take the son. But at the end of the day, God was, what was he doing? He was trying, he was testing Abraham to see where his true faith would lie. And at the end of the day, at the very last minute, God intervened. And the sacrifice that Abraham was being prepared to make was not being required to be undertaken. So we see that suffering at times is given in order to try us and to see really what we're made of, I suppose, to put it very bluntly. But then suffering, the second thing is that suffering can build character. The athlete wins the prize not by lying in his bed in the morning, but by by uh, by going out and training and thinking about school. We were, when I was talking to that boy the other day, we were talking about a friend in, in school called Morris. And, and Morris, for a period of time, never came into school in the morning at nine o'clock. He was allowed to, to not come into school until uh, uh, till half past nine. Because at half past six in the morning, he went down to a local swimming pool and he was a candidate to, to swim in the uh, Commonwealth Games. And he had to train day and daily uh, even during times at school, and therefore he was allowed that little bit extra time to be late for school. But the athlete who wants to have any sort of victory, as I say, doesn't lie in their bed, but they have to train and train and train. And Joseph, we see, didn't give up. In the midst of all the situations that were going against them, we see that we don't ever hear of Joseph really complaining. I'm sure when he was in the prison and the butler and the baker came in and he said, now, after he'd interpreted the dreams, remember me to Pharaoh. And what did they do? They forgot him. And he languished in prison for a number of years after that until Pharaoh himself had the dream. And it was then when Joseph was brought out. But I'm sure he asked the question to himself, but it was never recorded, why is God allowing this to happen? But his character was being built. 
And what do we read in the scriptures in, uh, in Psalm 105? Try and put yourself into this particular reading for a minute, and it's several verses. But he summoned a famine on the land, now we're talking about the context, and broke all supply of food and sent a man ahead of them. Joseph was sold as a slave. His feet were hurt with fetters, his neck was put in a collar of iron until what he had said came to pass and the word of the Lord tested him. The king sent and released him. The ruler of the people sent for him free. He made him lord of his house, the ruler of all his possessions, to bind his princes at his pleasure and to teach his elders wisdom. Then Israel came to Egypt, that's Joseph's father. Jacob sojourned in the land of Ham, and the Lord made his people very fruitful and made them stronger than their foes. He turned their hearts to hate his people, to deal craftily with his servants. He sent Moses, his servant, and Aaron, whom he had chosen, then performed signs among the people and miracles in the land of Ham. He sent darkness and made the land dark. He, and they did not rebel. Waters into blood and caused their fish to die. And so it goes on about the plagues of Egypt. And here we see what was actually happening was that God was building the character of Joseph in order that he would fulfill what God wanted him to do because he was one of the key pins after Abraham who had started out in the journey uh, and now Joseph was one who uh, as we can see or Joseph was sorry Joseph was the one who, who was involved as a key pin in, in that whole uh, whole scenario and, and so we can see that suffering the suffering that he had to go through built the character of Joseph who enabled him to be the person that he was and eventually, the people of Israel uh, eventually were strengthened and they became uh, the people that God wanted them to be. So suffering builds character. Thirdly, so suffering enables us to know God better. Suffering teaches us lessons that cannot be learnt in a college. Many Christians have said that they've learnt more in the furnace of affliction than in any other previous experiences. It was Martin Luther who said, I never knew the meaning of God's word until I came into affliction. And Joseph, to go back to him again, I'm sure was a, a young man who did not understand all the issues of life. But we see that at no stage did he really doubt. He, in the midst of his suffering, became aware that God was with him. And that he began to know God better. And as one suffering was, as it were, left behind, and another one came, he realized that in the past God had been with him, and the God who had blessed him in the past was not going to let him down in the future. So all these sufferings that were coming, he realized that God was with him in a very special way. And suffering enables you and me to know God better. And I'm sure there are times in all of our lives when situations happen to us that we wouldn't want. And we maybe do question, question God, why is he allowing this? But yet at the end of the day, it's true to say from that verse that all things do work together for good to those who love God. And that very often in suffering, 
we have an opportunity to stand up for God, to show that we are trusting him, that no matter what happens, we can know that he will be with us to the end. And suffering can be something that enables us to know God better. And then finally, we can say that suffering produces fruit in our lives and prepares us for usefulness. Suffering can bring a new dimension to our lives. Uh, I suppose there's a truth in, in the whole matter that uh, very often when people go through some particular difficult experience in life, and then somebody else who they know goes through a similar difficult experience in life, we are better equipped, having experienced it ourselves, to help that particular individual with whatever circumstance they have. I remember on one occasion uh, going through a particular difficult period about something and uh, it was okay, it all happened, turned out okay in the end. But then I remember meeting a man one day and he, he said to me that he had this experience. And I said, you know, it's not something that is exclusive to you, we all go through we all have sicknesses, we all have trials, we all have problems that, in relationships. There are all sorts of things that we can have. And I felt maybe better equipped to be able to help him than otherwise had I not gone through the same particular experience that he went. And when we, as it were, uh, help others, and when we show a usefulness, as 2 Corinthians 12 puts it, that our, his glory, God's glory, and his power can be seen through what we're able to do. It was John Bunyan who was cast into prison uh, because he, he preached the gospel. And what did he do in prison? Did he lie in the prison cell day after day and say, oh, woe is me, why has God allowed this to happen to me? If I was out, I could be doing, uh, I could be preaching to people and they'd be becoming Christians. No, what did John Bunyan do in, in, in prison? John Bunyan wrote the probably one of the most famous books outside of the Bible, known as Pilgrim's Progress, which has been a, a blessing to thousands of people. Or take Thomas Boston, who was a, one of the, the greats of the past. He suffered poor health. He lost children. His wife was crippled with mental illness. He had to deal with difficult parishioners. I'm sure there are no difficult parishioners in here, but he had to deal with them. He engaged in ecclesiastical clashes and he labored in a very obscure place. But yet his writings have been a great blessing to many, many people uh, ever since. Suffering produces fruit in our lives and prepares us for spiritual fruitfulness. And so in summary, what can we say? Sufferings, they come our way. They're part of parcel of life. They're sent at times to try us. But we can have our characters built in the anvil of suffering. Sometimes it enables us, and very often it enables us, to know God better. That we rely on him more than we would. Sometimes we maybe have got away from God. And that can be an opportunity for us to come back as we rely on him to help him in the circumstances that we face. And as a result of that, then suffering produces fruit in our lives and we can be useful in his service 
for other people. And so let's put it like this. At times in all of our lives, we go through those difficult periods. That's not the time to give up. That's not the time to question God. That's simply the time to ask, what am I being taught in this situation? I'm being taught that I need to trust God in a more resolute manner. And trusting God will enable us to, to know his power and his help in our lives as we come then a blessing to others. Let's pray together. 